0: Coming up on The Exam Room.
1: The majority of us haven't been planning for old age. (laughs) since we were young. So, I mean, how difficult is it to kind of play catch up when we're in our 50s and our 60s, we're noticing our aches and our pains, the doctor's saying, you've got this wrong with you, you've got that wrong with you. Is it ever even attainable to think that you'll be able to get to that same type of level as somebody that's been living that good, clean life since they were a teenager?
0: Absolutely. It's never too late. And so when people say, oh, well, I've already ruined my diet today. You know, I already cheated today. I should just keep going. No, you shouldn't, because that one meal has a vast impact on the metabolic system. And if you want to see any change occur, you need to start changing those daily behaviors.
1: We live in at a day and age, really, where 82 doesn't seem like you're ancient so much anymore, right? Like 82, Absolutely is it, it feels normal now. It wasn't that way when I was growing. I was like, yeah, 82, man, <laughs> knock, knock, knocking on heaven's
0: door, man. Come on. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And we want to be functional. So I think that's the thing that you need to preface is that at 82, do I want to be dependent upon others? Absolutely not.
1: Welcome to the exam room podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in West Palm Beach, Florida, Salem, Oregon, and Nottingham, England. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 90 of season six, number 486 overall. You know, there is a big difference between being old and feeling old. Indeed, 40 can be the new 20. But why stop there? 60 can be the new 40 and 80 can be the new 60 and on and on and on we go. And on the show today, we are rethinking what it means to be old. We are defying time. We are turning back the clock, looking young, feeling young and feeling great and so we are going to be talking about everything with shabnan islam she is a clinical exercise physiologist and professor who specializes in healthy aging so we're just going to dub her our anti-aging specialist today and we're going to be talking with her about two big f words for ageless nutrition fat and fiber One is the fountain of youth, while the other is really, it is that dirty F-bomb. One that can cause painful inflammation and diseases and make you look and feel older. All of those things are things that might actually have you say the original F-bomb. Am I right? Who wants that? Who wants to look and feel old and feel sick all the time? Not me. So we're going to be talking about defying all of that. And we're also going to be getting into orange foods and how they can help you look younger and the age-defying nutrients that you can find in green leafy vegetables. Also, sea vegetables, bulbs, and legumes, why they're important for staying young. And then we're going to be looking at fiber and whether or not that F-word is more effective than collagen. Is it? Shabnan's going to talk to us about that, plus how fat can affect your hormones and subsequently how you age. And then beyond nutrition, we are actually going to start our conversation today talking about exercise and how that can help to slow the aging process so that you can also maintain flexibility and feel younger. Pretty cool stuff. And then after the interview talking about cool stuff, it doesn't get much cooler than this, a special announcement about dr michael greger here on the exam room you know he has a new book coming out called how not to age how appropriate giving the conversation we're having today and i had the opportunity to sit down with him recently to talk about the new book and you and i can talk more about that after our conversation with shabnam here today and i am so thrilled that she is here making her exam room debut because she is an age-defying wonder with a ton to offer. So let's raise our health IQs right now and five father time here on The
0: Exam Room.
1: Thank you so much for being here, my friend.
0: Oh, what a pleasure it is here. It is to be here with you, Chuck. I swear, I'm already flubbing my words at the onset, so now I'm probably going to be the one ruining this interview today.
1: (laughs) There is no ruining. It's all good. But let's talk about getting old, right? Did you, when you were growing up, did you dread getting
0: old? I think everybody dreads getting old. And when you're you're so young and you're looking at, you know, my brother who was five years older than I was, and I'm like, God, he's in high school. He's old. It's a thing we fear, but I think it's a a thing imposed upon us by society that we shouldn't be fearful of because there's so many wonderful things about getting old, right? We have life experience. We have hopefully better financial fluidity at the time. We definitely have a better network, a social network, and uh, uh, there are so many other benefits to it.
1: But let's talk about the physical side of it right i mean i look at what i thought it was going to be like when i hit my 40s and then i live with my father-in-law who is well north of that and he is stiff he struggles to bend over and and pick up things and there are aches and there are pains and it's just like that's not exactly and i love the man but that's not what i want for myself when i am that age Is it really kind of a choice to be stiff, to be tired, to ache, to hurt all the time? How much control do we actually have there?
0: Now, deterioration of function is something that does happen over time. Even when we look at the evidence, we start to see cardiorespiratory fitness decline. It starts to hit us at the age of approximately 30. We Mm. literally start to decline approximately 1% in cardiorespiratory fitness per year as we age. And the only way we can retard or prevent that is through engaging in cardiorespiratory activity. And so what the evidence says is the more we do, the less we lose. That's it. And that's our goal as we age. So really when we look at fitness, we're looking at uh, a set of attributes that people have or, or they're able to achieve In their lifetime, right? And so when we're looking at health components of fitness, we're looking at things like aerobic fitness, muscular fitness, which includes muscular strength and endurance. We're looking at flexibility, body composition, agility, uh, speed, power, balance, coordination. And these things just don't magically happen in our lifetimes. These are things that we must continuously train for. And so if we want to be more mobile, if we want to have more flexibility, if we want to have more strength, these components of fitness must be trained for every week. Every week every single week and is this formula for
1: training as easy as i love the post that you put up on your instagram uh with chef babette where it says you know it's never too late to start putting you and your health first and then you dial it down with this formula exercise drink lots of water and please eat some bleeping vegetables i mean is it really
0: that simple It's really that simple. And I love that you bring up my friend, Chef Babette. Chef Babette Davis is a 72-year-old thriving vegan chef. And she's got the body uh, that's better than most 20-year-olds that I teach. And I'm a professor (laughs) of kinesiology at Cal State Northridge. And so people are fascinated by it. But what you see is her work ethic every day, right? So she gets up, Before the sun rises, which means she has early access to early morning light in her eyes, which automatically impacts those dopamine receptors, right? She's feeling more reward and more motivation from this. Then she works. She actively works and she doesn't work because she has to. She enjoys the activity of working in her own restaurant and she does that. She's on her feet 10 to 12 hours every day and she's cooking plant-based meals. So she's eating either raw or completely vegan, whole food, plant-based. And the consumption of these foods that she does have, she actually eats it within a particular window of time, right? So when she wakes up, she eats a really, really big green juice that is God even knows what she puts in it, whatever she has in her refrigerator, basically. But it does often have bulbs in it, like garlic and ginger. She'll often put celery, um, even broccoli. Like Who puts broccoli in a smoothie? This woman does. Fruits. (laughs) But the combination of these things really impacts digestion and impacts fullness. The the, uh, the extra fiber really helps push out cholesterol and unwanted toxins from the system. And this heavy bouts of fiber and fruits and vegetables actually keeps her satiated longer. So she doesn't snack on poor choices and poor foods throughout the day because she's actually pretty full. And then when she does actually eat a meal, the meal is high in fruits and vegetables with a little bit of grains. And she stops eating at approximately 6 p.m. because she's in bed by seven. So this cycle that 72 year old Babette Davis does is something she's been doing for 30 years. Mm. And so there's the practice. I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, if you ever want to look to anybody as an example, just look at her. I mean, there's it's impossible to say that this woman is 72 just by looking at her picture. Like if I didn't know any better, I'd be like, no way. This woman has a doctored birth certificate. This is all gimmick. But no, this is a legit 72 and ass kicking excuse my language. 72 year old woman that can go toe to toe and looks in energy and in every other department with a 20 something like she is straight up magical. Is somebody like Chef Babette, though, is she the exception and not the rule? Or is this something that is truly attainable for most of us?
0: I mean, listen, you, you've even interviewed uh, U.S. Olympic silver medal winner Dotsie Bosch, right? The, the co-founder of Switch for Good. Of course. She, she became this Olympic medal winner and the oldest athlete in track cycling. So, but that's not the only one. Then we have John Sally, four-time NBA champion, who really was a champion in three decades of time, right? Mm -hmm. 80s, 90s, and 2000s. So the longevity is there. And all of these athletes contribute their success to plant-based nutrition. Mm. There's something certainly to be said for that.
1: Here's my question, though, the majority of us haven't been planning for old age, uh, since we were young. So I mean, how difficult is it to kind of play catch up when we're in our 50s and our 60s, we're noticing our aches and our pains, the doctor's saying you've got this wrong with you, you've got that wrong with you. Like how much harder is it to play catch up Versus if you had been doing this all along, is it ever even attainable to think that you'll be able to get to that same type of level as somebody that's been living that good, clean life since they were a teenager?
0: I mean, absolutely. Uh, It's never too late. We've even seen people that have been diagnosed with stage four cancer that have completely gone in remission and never had to deal with it again because they completely changed their lifestyle factors. And so when people say, oh, well, I've already ruined my diet today. You know, I already cheated today. I should just keep going. No, you shouldn't because that one meal has a vast impact on the metabolic system. And if you want to see any change occur, you need to start changing those daily behaviors. And what we see, even things with like smoking, Chuck, is fascinating, right? Uh, With ACSM, you're considered a smoker even if you've quit smoking up to six months. But if you quit smoking for more than six months, we start to see some really uh, amazing effects of repair happening to the cardiovascular and pulmonary system. And then if we extend that quitting of smoking for up to 10 years, it's almost like you've never smoked before in your life. So imagine, like my father has been a hardcore cigarette smoker since he was 15 years old. This guy's a PhD in physics. He's intelligent. He's educated. But now at 72, he still smokes. But if he were to change his lifestyle, if he were to quit, we could see some serious changes occurring within the next year, the next five years, and then definitely would revert it in 10 years. I mean, that's
1: huge. You think about doing that beginning at 72, and I mean, it's. We live in at a day and age, really, where 82 doesn't seem like you're ancient so much anymore, right? Like 82, is it it feels normal now. It wasn't that way when I was growing. I was like, damn, you're 82? Man, (laughs) knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door,
0: man. Come on. (laughs) And we want to be functional. So I think that's the thing that you need to preface is that at 82, do I want to be dependent upon others? Absolutely not. And that's when we think about life planning. And so for life planning, when I think about my future, what ideally looks like is independence. Um, And I am someone who's chosen not to have children, right? And a lot of people continue to have families because they're like, oh, maybe I'll have somebody take care of me as I age. But I hope that I can take care of myself as I age. And in order to do so, I need to eat really well and engage in daily physical activity. And so when we're talking about daily physical activity, like what intensity, what do I need to be doing? Well, for you to just not be considered sedentary, Right? For things to just not be considered harmful, you have to exercise for minimally three days a week, 30 minutes a day for the last three months at a moderate intensity activity. Moderate intensity being like 40% to 55% of VO2 max. And how I like to measure that with, 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 with clients, oftentimes they don't know what their VO2 max is. So we do the talk test, right? If you are breathing and talking and have a conversation like this, for 30 minutes while you exercise, then that is a good intensity for you. Now, what ACSM really says is that you need to be engaging in that type of cardiorespiratory training five days a week for 30 minutes a day. So 150 minutes. But let's say you want to engage in a little bit of uh, intense basketball challenge with your friends, 20 to 30 minutes of high-intensity cardio or engaging in a... uh, CrossFit class, whatever you may be doing, those things can really also benefit health as well. The higher intense we work at, we tend to see greater benefits in the cardiovascular, pulmonary, and muscle systems. But here's the kicker. Oftentimes, if we exercise too intense and too frequently, we can Increase our risk of injury. So this is why we say, you know, working at a moderate intense cardiovascular about three days a week with two to three days of vigorous intensity exercise looks like a really solid week for anybody, no matter your age, okay? Okay. <laughs> okay,
1: I see you, and, and I. You're not asking a lot. As a matter of fact, you're flat out saying like, "Don't be a gym rat seven days a week. Don't always be in there clanging and banging and burning yourself out." Um, is it especially wise to start a little bit slower for those of us who are north of forty and have not been exercising those two to three times a week?
0: Absolutely. Listen, it's about addition into your life. I hate I hate when people say take out things, take out things because that is not a way for behavior change to really adhere into our lifestyle. We want to add in a little bit more frequently but slowly. So, listen, 30 minutes is all you need in terms of total volume per day. So, if you're someone who's new to adding exercise into your into your daily plan, I would start with 10 minutes in the morning. 10 minutes in the afternoon, 10 minutes of an evening walk with your with your dog or your family. So the total volume is what we're looking at that matters. And two days a week is impactful enough for people that have been completely sedentary their whole lives or are coming back from injury or are on the older side of things because to instill behavior change, we want to make sure that it is adherable. You want to make sure that people want to stay consistent and The evidence shows if you go a little too hard too fast, you're dealing with chronic soreness, inflammation, and that may deter people from coming back because they just don't want to feel like that anymore,
1: Mm. right? Oh, yeah, I mean, really, there's nothing worse than overdoing it. I remember I did that one time and I had wicked shin splints for a couple of weeks. Like it was brutal. I was like, shin splints are the worst. Have you ever had shin splints?
0: oh my God, this is why I don't like running. But also <laughs> this is why, you know, when you think about engaging in certain kinds of sports, like, and I hate to not CrossFit because uh, there are some very good affiliate gyms, but it really is based upon the person that runs the affiliate gym, their level of expertise in exercise science or biomechanics and program design. Because unfortunately for for exercises like CrossFit, which do motivate people, they Build a sense of community. However, they don't um, gear exercise programs to the individual. Males and females do very specific exercises and programs based on weight, based on their sex. And what we do realize in terms of program design is things that things should be individualized. Mm -hmm. My program for Babette is not the same program I would write for John Sally, and not the same program I'd, I'd write for you, Chuck. However, when you think about movements. I may incorporate the same style of movements, but in terms of dosage, intensity, frequency, rep range, set range, all of those things are very dependent upon the individual, their, their level of athleticism and their goals. And so when you go into a fitness program that is a one size fits all, that's a one size fits all problem. Because what we're going to see is that it's really going to impact those of less athleticism in ways that they may not enjoy. Increased soreness, increased inflammation, uh, a need for longer recovery. And those that are very physically fit may engage in the same program and not see as much benefit because they're already so physically fit, right? So they need to work at a higher intensity, a longer prolonged period, or have different variables that improve their levels of performance.
1: Those of less athleticism, you can just drop me in that bucket right now. I, that's that is so great. Oh my god, that's the most PC way to put it. Like I, you know, God gave me a lot of a lot of great qualities, but being athletic is not one of them. I mean, my goodness gracious, the struggle is real for some of us. So, so take pity on those of us, uh, who are not athletic anyway. Uh, let's, let's, let's get the conversation back on track here. I want to talk about what the exam roomies love talking about, and that is nutrition. You dropped the F word earlier in the interview. Uh, you said fiber when it comes to aging healthfully is fiber, the key number one nutrient
0: You know why I think fiber is such a key nutrient is because it combats what fat does. And so when we look at aging, sugar is not the enemy, people. Fat, fat is your enemy. Now, things like diabetes is caused by excess fat in the muscle and the liver cells. And this actually competes with glucose regulation. So, more fat in the cell means less sugar can enter the cell. Does that make sense? Like, I want you to imagine a squirrel shoving nuts into their mouth. Everybody can see that, right? Imagine the squirrel now goes across the garden and sees, oh, this beautiful, delicious strawberry. And it cannot enter his mouth, his muscle cell. We'll just say that that's what it is because it's competing it's competing. And so that's what we're doing biologically to ourselves. And so when we eat copious amounts of fat, the only way that these things, these hormones that are produced from our fat cells, because remember, fat cells are hormone factories, right? They, they, adipose tissue is just not a storage site and it's not just meant for creating homeostasis in the human body like we used to think. Now, evidence is showing that adipose tissue is it expresses and secretes significant amount of hormones, things like estrogen and its, you know, estradiol, estrone, estriol, which we produce during pregnancy, estrone during menopause, estradiol during premenopause. It excretes testosterone and those particular androgens for women as well, growth hormone. And so, what fiber does, it's so fascinating. When the liver, which is a totally different story, the liver filters out the blood, right? And so, it'll excrete out all of these hormones, like excess estrogen, out of the bile duct and into the intestinal tract. Fiber will suck up all of these hormones and then carry it out as waste. So without excess fiber in our system, we are really putting ourselves at risk of this crazy hormonal balance. And what happens for those people that don't eat copious amounts of fiber, or those people that actually eat like Atkins diets or keto, it's what we call enterohepatic circulation, right? All of these toxins will enter into the bloodstream and instead of fiber sucking it up and pushing it out of the system as waste, it will re-enter to the bloodstream and go again and again and again without excretion. And this process can lead to things like cardiovascular disease, heart disease, diabetes, all sorts of ailments down the line because the things that we need to get out of our system are not getting out. So yes, fiber is imperative. And so the fascinating thing here is that even the American College of Sports Medicine says that females should be having anywhere between uh, 25 grams of fiber and males up to 38 grams. But 25 grams is just simply not enough. We are saying you need minimally 40 grams of fiber in your diet just for basic metabolic function.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well then why in the world if fiber is that important or do we put all of this emphasis on collagen to look young, right? Like, I mean, I think that our, our priorities are a little bit out of out of whack here, wouldn't you say?
0: Well, fiber is cheap, isn't it? It collagen is that. Is, collagen is not. And when we look at these substances and things that are we're being told consistently time and time again that help with aging, improve performance, we're, we're overlooking the simplest thing of them all. Fruits, vegetables, whole food sources grown from the ground. There is nothing simpler or a more viable solution than that. We should really stop trying to get things out of a bottle and get things straight from the ground. That is, mm. that is just the best way to be living.
1: Can you give us a, uh, let's get some specifics here. So when you're talking fruits and vegetables, like what are some of your favorites? What are some of your go-tos that you really recommend to somebody if they really want to keep looking as young as possible for as long as possible?
0: I love that you asked that. Um, orange, anything orange, go for that beta carotene, go for your carrots, go for your sweet potatoes. Um, this this antioxidant neutralizes free radicals and that are contributed to aging. So if you're not having something naturally orange in your diet every day, I think you're really missing out. You should definitely be having bulbs in your diet, things like garlic, things like ginger. Um, These bulbs have been shown to actually even combat cancer tremendously. So it's a great addition. Um, sea veggies. Sea veggies, so high in iodine, better for thyroid function. Um, you'll even see my girlfriend, Chef Babette, using things like sea moss, sea kelp in her smoothies on a daily basis. Um, again, as Chuck was saying, legumes, beans, peas, lentils, these are your fiber fire uh, powerhouses. The more of them you can get in your daily intake, The healthier you'll be, the more satiated you'll be, and the younger you'll look. And last but not least, of course, we need our fruit, our fruit, our fruit high in fiber, low in fat, very vitamin rich, Um, and of course, green green leafy vegetables, right? We want them for calcium and for iron. And remember, the iron that you're getting from your green leafy vegetables are your non-heme sources. And these non-heme sources are really rich in folate, vitamin B. And this vitamin B actually plays a really big role in mood regulation. So not only are you going to be a happier person to be around, you'll have nicer skin. Mm. So let me throw a hypothetical
1: at you. I I like happy. I'm a, I'm a big fan of happy. I don't have time for jerks. I just don't, none of us really should. Um, but here's something that makes me happy is really helping to draw this, uh, parallel and comparison for people. And that is, let's say that the sweet potato you were just talking about. I freaking love me some sweet potatoes. I have at least one every single day. But what happens when you chop up that sweet potato? And then you fry it and you create a sweet potato chip. What then is the difference between that baked sweet potato and that fried uh, sweet potato chip in
0: terms of aging on the body? Well, then the topic comes down to the addition of fat, right? Fat is going to be producing more hormones, more estrogen in the system. And this is just the danger zone. We want natural whole food sources that are low in fat, high in carbohydrates. And the second that we start adding fats, even like saturated fats, plant sources like cocoa cocoa butter, coconut oil, palm oil, we start to see that these things have an impact on cholesterol. And the fascinating thing about fat is that what we're starting to see here is that it's just not the amount of total body fat that you're starting to have in your system that is impacting aging. It's also your storage sites that is impacting aging. And particularly as we age, we start to see people having more storage sites of what we call intermuscular fat, also known as, you know, visceral fat, which is underneath the fascial line, right? So it's right above the muscle and sometimes intramuscular fat, which is within the muscle fibers. And then we have cellular lipids, right, which are find inside the muscle cell. And these intramyocellular lipids are also found in obese insulin resistant individuals. Okay. But we also do find them in high endurance strength and high endurance athletes. So we don't really quite know the role of it, but what we do know is that this increase in fat really does impede digestion and metabolic function. And like I was saying, that if we really want to talk about muscular function, glucose is our It's our energy currency. And we need glucose to enter the muscle cell. But if we have copious amounts of fat in our diet, it's competing with glucose entering into the muscle cell. And this is what can really start to build up insulin resistance. And uh, I don't know what else to say about (laughs) it other than stop eating so much fat. You know, we all love it. We all love it. I mean, I don't know if you tried Atlas Monroe's uh, 5 vegan fried chicken. It's delicious. Not. Okay. It, it tastes literally like fried chicken. But if I, as a vegan ate that every day, I would start to see my total serum cholesterol levels raise. I would start to see my total adipose body count of body, body fat tissues raise. And all of that would impact my weight loss and it would impact aging. Mm. I need better cellular function. And to do that, the less fat I have in my diet, the more fiber I have, the slower I will age. So
1: then i I, you know i was going to ask you this generic question well then what are the worst foods for aging but it sounds like literally it could be any food that's like super deluxe high in fat right so you know whether that is the fried chicken or the triple cheeseburger with the french fries and the milkshake to watch it down like that's really what's going to speed up the hands of time not just in terms of clogging the arteries and getting the old heart disease machine going but like literally in the way that you look and feel as well
0: Absolutely. And I think Chuck, you and I were talking about this briefly on Instagram um, about vegan, vegan high fat diets that are coming into fad, right? Like the Taco Bell Crunch Wrap and um, all of these new innovative ways to make plant-based foods more palatable for non-vegans and vegans alike. But at the end of the day, all of this increase in fat is having an impact on our metabolic system. The way that we still digest foods, the way that we process foods is the same. And so higher cholesterol is going to have an impact on the way our total serum cholesterol is. So even though vegetable oils don't have cholesterol, when we are looking at saturated fats, an increase in like coconut oil, palm oil, uh, we do start to see metabolic panels change. We do start to see total serum cholesterols rise in vegans alike. So there is still some sort of similar effect.
1: Hmm. Let's end with this. You know, we were talking about what 87, you know, looks like for a lot of us but give me like just some hope that we can hang our hat on. What should 87 look like? Like, what should the standard be for 87 years old?
0: I mean, 87 shouldn't be any different from 57, which shouldn't be any different from 47. You should have energy. You should not be gaining excess amounts of weight. You should still be physically active five days a week. You should be doing cardiovascular training five to seven days a week, strength training three days a week. You should have energy. You should be wanting to wake up with the sun and going to bed with the sun. And I I don't think that that should change for any age group. I wish that we as a species are choosing to get up with the sun and go to bed with the sun as we were intended to do and i think we just do that better as we age because we just don't have time for bullshit
1: <laughs> i hear you i hear you man uh last question Yo, yeah, you're funny last question so if we're getting up with the sun we're going to bed with the sun what importance does meal timing play? You kind of touched on this a little bit when you were talking about uh, Chef Babette earlier, but what importance does meal timing and nutrient timing play in terms of
0: slowing down the hands of time as well? I love that you say that because uh, nutrient timing is so important. When we talk about eating foods for progress, for success. We're often looking at ourselves in an anabolic or catabolic state, right? So anabolic state when we're building and we're in the growth phase or in the catabolic state where we're breaking down foodstuffs for energy. And so really, if you want to be building up muscle mass, you need to be consuming foods within 30 to 40 minutes Post workout this is what we call the metabolic or anabolic window, and this anabolic window is really seen more successful for increasing insulin resistance, so we're talking about the consumption of carbohydrates immediately post workout, thirty to forty minutes, and this this does increase up to one hundred and twenty minutes, but your your anabolic window starts to kind of close down how much more sugar you enters into the muscle cell and being stored as glyc- glycogen for future energy reserves now that anabolic window is not exactly the same in terms for protein consumption. Theoretically speaking, you can consume protein as late as you want after you've exercised without it really impeding on any performance factors. But what we are seeing is that you do need to be having your carbohydrates and glucose within 30 to 40 minutes. And Additionally, not eating heavy amounts of carbohydrates closer to sleep time is what's beneficial um, because it could impact sleep. And so what we're really saying is give yourself some time before bed, three to four hours before bed, before actually like eating anything very heavy. Uh, When you get up, if you want to eat within 30 to 45 minutes post-rising, but it should be a very, very high fibrous food. And the first thing that should enter your mouth post-consumption, whenever you eat, should be a protein-based source. So if you can, throw some tofu in there, have some beans, have some legumes. Um, It can really help with satiating over the entire day. If you start with protein. There it is.
1: There it is. I love it so much. And I would love to invite you back right now because I feel like there's still a whole lot that we could cover that we didn't get a chance to talk about here today.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chuck. This was a really fun a really fun talk today.
1: Oh, yeah, but we're not quite done yet cuz I got to ask <laughs> you also about this this event that's coming up in LA in November, the Exploration of Seven Continents when it comes to culinary cuisine. I mean, first of all, the fact that you're getting all literally all seven continents including Antarctica in here is freaking right. mind-blowing to me. So, you all at V-Kind are just like Really doing something unique. What's, what's happening? Give us the, bleep, uh, the blow black bill.
0: This team at VKIND is absolutely incredible. What we are putting on is called the VKIND Experience on November 11th and 12th in Los Angeles, California. And it is intended to in be a full family event. Any age group can attend. You do not have to be vegan to attend. We would like the non-vegans to attend because we want to make this a fully immersive experience for you. You're going to walk in. You're going to experience all different continents and a culinary style. So you're going to hit every single sense, uh, every single sense from sight, taste, smell, and then we're going to add in What are we going to add in? Oh, experience.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's so much I can't remember at all. There's
0: so much I can't even remember. But what I'm excited about is that each each room will be a totally different continent experience. So whether you're going to be entering into Africa or you're going to enter into Asia, you'll get to experience all the culinary cuisines only using vegan plant-based products. And so what we're here is to hopefully show people that you don't have to use animals, oppress animals, eat animals to have a delectable experience. And we really do hope to bring people over to the greener side with a vegan experience.
1: And you got to let me know what y'all wind up doing for Antarctica. Seriously, like let all the exam roomies know once that kind of like comes to fruition and everything's planned out, you got to let us know because I mean, I'm in the dark here and I know I can't be the only one. Yeah, no, I'm I'm equally in the dark. So there you go. Right on, right on. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Dr. Shabnan Islam, you are awesome. Thank you so much for coming and playing with us today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I have been a roomie for a super long time. So it is nice to be on this side of of the podcast where I'm like, oh, God
1: this is this, this is fun well yeah welcome 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 so glad that you're here and by the way everybody uh go hop on uh dr islam's instagram there you want to see chef babette and her and her friends in action working out like fit over 50 it doesn't even begin to start here like you could look at this and think it's a bunch of 30 somethings having a workout on a saturday morning like these girls got it going on you gotta see it at dr shabnan islam and we've got the link to that uh instagram account in the show description in the episode notes you know the drill by now thank you so much again you rock you rock
0: thanks for having me
1: you really should see her in action see some of the workout routines that she does you can see her clips with the ageless chef babette on there get some ideas for how you can turn back the hands of time as well lots of inspiration there on instagram at dr islam check her out man Shabnan was a lot, a lot of fun, so I do hope to link up with her again sometime soon. And we covered a lot of ground today. We got in more than just the basics, so I'm really happy about that, but we're still only just scratching the surface when it comes to anti-aging secrets, aren't we? I mean, there's still so much out there. And that is why I'm thrilled to announce that we have a gentleman who is coming to the rescue there, Dr. Michael Greger. He has a new book coming out next month called How Not to Age. How cool is that? Super appropriate for what it is we're talking about today. And I had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Greger to talk to him about what undoubtedly will be another bestseller. And after the interview, we at the Physicians Committee, we got to talking. We said, you know what? That was a really good interview. The roomies are really, really, really going to like this. So let's go big with it. Let's go real big with it. So what we came up with is a new club. It's a new club, especially and exclusively for exam roomies. And we're calling it the exam room VIPs. And as an exam room VIP, as a member, you can gain early access to the interview with Dr. Gregor weeks before we make it go live here on the podcast this will just be for exam room vips you want to get a head start on the anti-aging process you want to listen to the dr michael greger interview before anybody else just become an exam room vip and the best part is not just the incredible inside access that you'll get to the show but all of the money that is raised from membership will go directly to support the physicians committee And so what that means is that we can keep the lights on here at the exam room. That's a very nice thing. But even more importantly than that, it goes to help the research that we conduct, those deep dives into nutrition where we unearth the true effect that food can have on our health. Think about all of the cool things that we've talked about with Dr. Hanna Kaliova and Dr. Neil Barnard here on the show. Our research Becoming an exam room VIP can help to fund that. It also goes to support our animal welfare efforts. It goes to our promotion of nutrition research as well so that we can get our voices out there and change minds, open eyes, and give people what they've always wanted but never thought was possible. It's to be healthy. People think that they will win the lottery before they can ever take charge of their health, but it does not have to be that way. The odds of you being able to take charge of your health are almost 100%, virtually 100%. It is a lock. And so we want to get to a point where we can help people understand that and that their goals are within their reach. We want to get them to a point where they no longer need high blood pressure pills or medication for high cholesterol or diabetes, no more painful injections throughout the day. Just a healthier and happier life, a richer life, because then they will be living the best life, simply because they are taking better care of themselves than ever before. And it starts with the food that is on their plate. You know that because you are listening to this podcast right now. But there are millions, even billions of people out there who still don't know that. And we want to give them the gift that is knowledge. And your membership fee as an exam room VIP can help us educate the world so that we truly can make healthy dreams come true. So we have more information to come very soon on how you can become an exam room VIP and help us make the world a healthier place. And of course, get early access to that interview with Dr. Michael Greger. And there's a lot of other perks that are going to come with being a VIP as well. So trust me, if you love nutrition, if you love the exam room podcast, if you are an exam roomie, you are going to love being an exam room VIP, so details very, very soon. But on the next show, even sooner still, Dr. Will Bolsowitz will be back with us on the Exam Room Live. That's going to be Wednesday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel and Facebook page. You can join us there, live. Send in your questions for Dr. B, the Gut Health MD, right there for the doctor's mailbag, or you can catch the replay right back here on the podcast first thing on Thursday. So how are you feeling with your health IQ? Do you feel like it's up a point or two? Well, how about saying thank you, if it is, by heading over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Look for the exam room by the Physicians Committee if you haven't already done this. Follow or subscribe and leave a five-star rating and a nice review. That climbs us a little bit higher every time somebody does that. You can do this right now and help. Climb a little bit higher in the Nutrition Podcast ranking so that when somebody clicks on Nutrition, they'll see the exam room first and foremost, and you know that the information that we talk about here has the possibility to change their life. So let's give them the gift of health simply by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and a nice review. Let us know what you like about the exam room, how some of what you've learned has helped to improve your own health. Let's spread the word that health is within our reach. But for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Shabnam for being here, raising our health IQs and turning back the hands of time. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.